previously on Worlds Away. I'm not going to ask again, which one of you is Ren Krieger? Were you looking for a nature tour, or, or are you a competing tour guide? I, I'm, I'm visiting from Aventine, and I was just wondering, you know, I, I wanted to see all there is to see. I think it's her intent to pull a sneaky if we could cluster around Ren and try to uh, sneak him out of there. A secret, a secret service maneuver. Right. Like, a, a, oh, yeah. so, grandfather, let me help you out of the booth. Mixed success. That's an eight. Okay. It's an That's eight. It's an eight. I think it's going to be you left something behind. Ooh. I know what I want it to be, but. All right. What's your proposal for that then? I want it to be her visor. So before he even stands up, I want to extend my leg to the other side of the booth to sort of block him and just say okay. across the table, you'll stay close, won't you? And you are attempting to convince us that these individuals and your injured arm and the hunters and the terrifying animal sightings, these are all just independent coincidences. Certainly it's no coincidence. After all, it was your monster that did this and kind of gestures the arm. Could you track it again? I'm the only one here who can. You're still kind of staring out the window as this is happening? Yeah. Okay. I think what I want to do is flash back to a scene that you and I have talked about, which is Nasir's first field assignment on Aventine. I just went there three days ago. Someone else has to be up. And then Minhav responds, well, someone has to take it. And there's kind of like an awkward silence as everyone in the room except for you, Nasir, kind of trades glances with each other. I raise my hand. I'll leave it to you, Mr. Badoc. You really think you're up for this? I'll give it my best, ma'am. Fine. Mateo, you go to make sure he doesn't fuck it up. <laughs> Isn't it just amazing that even from a different point of view, they're the same stars? He just kind of like exhales and then kind of shakes his head as if he just had a thought and then turns to you and says, come on, I want to show you something. Or no, I think you see maybe a couple hundred yards down the road you see that this is the remains of the wrecked convoy in the photographs that you saw. I think Mara gets out and straps her sensor onto her hand uh, in anticipation mm-hmm. of examining the, the scene of the crime. I think Arno wants to get out and take a look to see if there's anything moving, if there's anybody else or anything else in the vicinity. Okay, so just kind of like surveying the whole perimeter. Yeah, I don't want to put it too on the nose, but I guess I am scoping it out. Near the ground, like kind of by where the window was, you see what looks like an employee ID badge. And this is a badge that's for the for this Northwest mine. Okay. And that's when, Arno, you see that maybe half a mile in the distance, the ground kind of bulges up as if like a wave under the ground and is moving close to you at a very high speed. Fuck you.
right. Are we ready to, to do this thing, gang? No. Ready? Wait. wait. Go for launch. Hold on one second. Taking a sip of water. Hydration's important. Okay. All right. Welcome to Worlds Away, an actual play storytelling podcast. I'm your game master, John Ossip, and with me today we've got Haley Daria. Happy Diwali. Yes. Falling into the Mo trap here, I see. Lauren Woolbanks. Mistress of gardening. <laughs> yes. Michael Morales. Apprentice. Salutations. And Mo Shatara. Hello. Bizarre. Haley does the <laughs> the holiday and Mo doesn't. I don't know what to do now. Um, well, when we last left off, you had all started to experience a tremor in the ground and off in the distance or no you saw a kind of ripple almost like a wave moving through the earth toward you and so what i want to know right now is what you do as you first see this kind of bulge in the earth heading in your direction i'd like to look for some high ground to stand on uh rocks um things that are stationary anything in there that people can like climb on top of yeah okay so where you are is pretty open, but I think the obvious high ground is there is the wreckage or the kind of burned out remains of some of these vehicles. And I think you could definitely climb up on top of those. Okay. Yeah. Am I the only one that sees the worm coming out just out of curiosity? I think, well, first off, n- not established that's a worm yet, but, y- Sorry, but uh, you're the, the, the totally not to- the totally the not a worm bulge. The, the bulge. Yeah. You're the only one that sees the bulge, <laughs> bulge. right now. Nice. Okay. But I think um, but I think Rand is clearly feeling it because uh when we left off he like was looking yeah, around with a very concerned God damn it. All right, very concerned look on his face. It's not I didn't use the word bulge. This is already we, we got like one minute of this. I am just thinking about my mom transcribing this. That's all I can think about. <laughs> Uh, what? No, we were using a, perf- we were f- f- using a perfectly normal word. I don't see what the problem is here, Haley. I appreciate yeah, you all are dirty <laughs> people. I'm just using my words to describe things. Um, all right, but what, what, what's all our... All I said was, yeah, he is. I, I just want to know, Haley, what's suggestive about a bulge? Can you, can you explain? No. <laughs> all right, what's Arno, what's Arno doing, Mike? <laughs> trying not to laugh. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... Um, okay. Quick, everyone, get on some high ground now to the wreckage. What the fuck was that? It was his Newfie accent because it's a stressful situation. Okay. You leave the man alone. Okay. I appreciate Sorry. you. All right. I didn't um, know if that was Lauren in character or not, but I remember Mara doesn't curse. No, that was yeah, yeah. Okay. So are you all climbing up on, on the cars or trying to do something here? I don't even wait for to see if they're going to respond. I'm just running towards one of them. Okay. What's everyone else doing? Going for the cars. Okay. So to kind of describe this the scene a bit, I think there's kind of like clusters of cars on either side of the road here. And I think that you all get on top of, of some of these vehicles and kind of looking out into the distance across the road where you see this. Now all of you clearly see this ripple in the ground moving toward you. Your vehicle, the Grizzly, I think is probably parked 100 feet away further down the road from you and as you're on top of the the car i think i'm gonna i'll say that you see this creature which is that almost like kind of like a breaching fish or some kind of aquatic uh, mammal 
you see this creature launch up out of the ground. And what it actually looks like is a manta ray, but like a dark gray color. And there is a series of sharp spikes protruding out of its leading edge, which itself is lined by what looks like dozens of short narrow teeth. And then it kind of plunges back in the ground is continuing to head toward you. I finally got a chance to avenge Steve Irwin. This is great. So I want to register that I'm keeping uh, Ren Kriega like close to me. Yeah. But I guess, can I ask what the scale of this creature is? Yeah, that's a good question. It is, I'll say it's like one and a half to two times the size of the grizzly. So like 30 feet? I think the scientific term is big as fuck. Yeah, it's big as fuck. Yeah, oh, it's hard. probably okay. somewhere between 30 and 50 feet in each direction. Oh, because it's a manta oh. ray. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's like we're talking like tail to the top and then the, the width of the kind of wing. Yeah, that's um, mm-hmm. that's a lot. Okay. I think two things. So in game, I think Ren turns to you and says, we need to get out of here now. And outside the game, what I'm going to say is I'm going to start a four segment fuse and completing this fuse will mean that you either successfully escape from or overcome this creature. And I'm going to check off one of the segments each time that you do something to make that happen. But what I want to know is what you're doing now is you're kind of standing on top of these vehicles. Ren, how does it hunt? It must have felt the driving on the road. I have an idea. Uh, Nasir, I need your shield. I go to reach for my shield. And Nasir- then you just see me like patting all oh, over my no. body. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, then, he does not have it. Uh, I seem to have misplaced my shield. Shit. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pat myself down and I would like to pull out a grenade. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And, and I am attempting to baseball throw it as far away from the grizzly as possible, such uh-huh. as to cause a distraction for like some sound so it can feel a bigger, stronger yeah, yeah. vibration anywhere else. Okay. I like that. I'm trying to think of what, um, what move to have you do here. Just like act quick. So I, th- I think it's act quick. Yeah. So go ahead, Mike, and roll plus slick. Eight. Not bad. All right. So um, when you use your instincts or reflexes to avoid danger, navigate through danger toward a goal, roll plus slick. And on a seven time you do it, you have to choose one from the list. So you're either off balance or rushed and have disadvantage going forward. You've left something behind. I'll tell you what. And it's not going to be the grenade or you're pushed to your limits with the effort. Suffer one stress. Uh, I like uh, off balance. Okay. So go ahead and just, uh, you can add another die to the roller uh, and then you'll have disadvantage on your next roll. But yeah. Okay. So you throw the grenade a pretty good distance from the cars. And I think you kind of duck down and I, I don't know if all of you uh, kind of are ready to react to this, but there is like a deafening crack as this thing explodes. And I think then you see the ripple swerve very quickly and it kind of jumps up out of the ground near where the grenade was. So now I think you have a moment and I'm going to mark off one of these segments in the clock. But what do you do now? Run, run back to the Grizz. Yeah. Are you all taking off to the Grizz? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I think Leela is going to push Ren in front of her. 
and uh, make sure that he's he's going. Okay. Hmm. So in that case, maybe if you're dragging Ren, Leela, I want you to roll act quick. Okay. I'll take arguments for keep your cool if you think that that would be more applicable here. I mean, I have a plus zero on both, so I'm not super inclined to go either way on this. Gotcha. Um... Oh, no. <gasps> a fail? Oh, she did it. This is the first fail. Oh, my God. We're so proud of you. <laughs> I'm marking XP. It's a beautiful three. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah, so go ahead and mark XP. Preferably, you would have done that at a moment that didn't have all of our lives in the balance. But, you know, yeah, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think I think you all are running, and I think, Leela, you grabbed Ren and were kind of taking him toward the vehicle. And I think what happens is you trip over some of the debris from one of these crash cars, and both you and Ren fall onto the ground. And I think as you're running, we see this uh, creature, uh, which I've called the Groundhog, kind of turn and start heading in your direction. And you actually can see some of the vehicles kind of getting pushed off the road as this ripple heads down toward you. So what are you all doing as you see Leela and Ren fall behind you? I mean, I think I would like to just sort of like... I don't know how to put this, slide in to where they are and, like, help them up. Like, I assume I was a little bit behind them. I, I want to react, right? Yeah. In a way that doesn't really break momentum or stride too much, get down and help them up. Okay. And what's what's Arno and Mara doing? Are you are you both still heading to the Grizz, or what's the, what's the strategy here? I think Arno might look back to see if uh, Nasir is struggling, and if he is, go back and try to, like, recover everybody. But I think regardless, he would encourage Mara to like go to the to the Grizz and like start driving at the very least. Right? Yeah, I think Mara's being practical about this. They need to escape. Somebody's got to start the Grizz, and if she can get, yeah. it, get it off and and go back and collect people, uh, then that that's better than running back to help people off the ground. Got it. Yeah. So I I'll just say that I think that you can make it to the Grizz, and you're starting to turn it on, and we're mm-hmm. going to come back to that in a second. And Arno, you just kind of like standing in between the Grizz and them, or what's what's your kind of position here? Yeah, so I think I was like jogging. Like, are they struggling right now with Nasir's help? Well, are they still struggling? I guess let's find out now. So okay, okay so Mo, I feel like it's got to be stalwart. It kind of feels like it's lean on me, but I don't know what you know. It's kind of untraditional, but I feel like it is stalwart. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to okay. roll. That is a oh, seven. No. Six oh, plus you have one. a plus one. Oh, okay. Ooh. That scared me because I saw a six in the in the chat. Okay. All right. Awesome. So mixed success. So for lean on me, a mixed success. Let's see what that looks like. So I, th- I think that I think lean on maybe it's more keep your cool though. Well, I don't know. Hmm. Well, no, it says uh, on a seven to nine you can choose you can choose one, right? Yeah. Okay. Maybe what we'll do we'll say it's it's stalwart, but we'll use the act quick list. So maybe, maybe okay. that makes okay. the most sense here. Ooh. So okay, so you're either off balance or rushed, have disadvantage going forward. You left something behind. I'll tell you what, or you're pushed your limits and you suffer a stress. Oh, I I think it's I'm off balance or rushed going forward. Okay. All right. So like Mike, go ahead and add another die to the roller. So Mike, you see Nasir lift up Leela and Ren, and they're now moving in your direction toward the Grizz. Are you doing anything to kind of play interference, or, or what are you doing? Is this you, you kind of see the wave of the of this creature heading down the path toward the parched Grizz? Yeah, give me just a second. I think Leela's gonna yell out. Um, I think she's like a little out of breath, but she's gonna say, 
When we start the car, it's going to create a vibration. We need a way to distract it before it catches up to us. Okay. I am going to invoke one of my moves. Okay. And I'm going to go for Adrenaline Rush. When you flood your system with adrenaline in a tense or dangerous situation, discharge this move and roll plus stalwart. On plus on 10 plus, hold 2. On 7 and 9, hold 1. Uh, while you're still in danger, you may spend hold 1 for 1 on the following. Uh, and I'm hoping to perform an incredible athletic feat out of this situation. Uh, and that is to like literally just... Uh, firemen carry one of whoever seems like they're struggling the most back to uh, the Grizz Damn, as quickly Arno. as possible. Just okay. Loving the princess carry. All right, so go ahead and roll uh, roll adrenaline rush. You do have disadvantage though, Mike. Yep. So yep. All right, here we go. Fuck yeah, nine. that's a nine. All right, pretty good. On a nine, you can hold one, and you want to do this um, incredible athletic feat. Is that's that exactly it. Okay. So I, I think, Nasir, you are help them up, and you're all kind of heading to the... And maybe I think it's Ren that's struggling. I think maybe he, like, twisted something when he went down. Um, and so, Arno, I think you grab him and carry him back to the Grizz. So I'm going to mark off a second segment from the clock now. But now you're all in the Grizz. Mara, you're in the driver's seat, and we see, again, this wave is getting very close. It's probably, like, 50 feet away now. What, what are you doing? Yeah. So... I'm going to describe something and we'll see how feasible it is. Okay. I so like it. So my background is technician. So you spent most of your life living, working on various vessel stations, factories, intimate knowledge of all kinds of machinery, vessels, and vehicles. When you spout technobabble in regards to a vehicle ship or machine you are modifying or repairing, you have advantage going forward for your modifications or repairs. I essentially want to go like hyperdrive on this, the Grizz. So I want to like blow out the engines and get us like as quickly as possible out of this situation. You want to use the NOS? I want to, yeah, yeah, I want to use NOS. I want to try to outrun this thing. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So, okay, what are you saying? What's the techno babble here? Like, what are, what are you even, saying, Mara? This is so upsetting because as, like, an IRL scientist, I don't actually want to use Technobabble, but I had know nothing about cars, so, or, like, whatever the space car is, so I think it's just going to be, like, I, I need to bypass the gas drive. Whatever. Okay. I think it's, All like, right. not, but it's, like, not even gas-powered anymore. I think that's, like, an anachronism, like, that we, like, it's, like, dashboard to us nowadays they use the word gas i don't know i'm just inventing yeah. shit can i make a suggestion for you what, what would you like to suggest i was gonna say you you actually inspired it with your like oh it's of the future you could probably just break hack into this thing right and override the safety protocols right like it's probably capable of yeah. more than it, and i like you don't necessarily have to say like like zoo is like you know increase the gas drive you just like yeah computer like, turn off the governor call. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the other thing i was thinking is that like on planet they can probably enforce some sort of cap on how fast you can go and yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> like she's back there typing she's like all right i've cracked the cap yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. awesome okay cracking the cap all right so yeah in that case go ahead i feel like this is still act quick but go ahead and do it with advantage on you can do this that's an 11 yeah you did it you did it yes all right okay so okay what does it look like you're not away yet so don't i wouldn't say that far but what does it look like when you engage the nos like when you go max speed i want you to kind of describe what we're seeing with the grizz here um okay so i guess 
what she's seeing is she's uh, doing her tippy taps. She's hacking. She's cracking. She's bypassing. There are like wires on screens that were going in one way. And then it's like, wow, 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 wow. While she's just kicking it into high fucking gear. And so I look out. Are, they're all running towards the Grizz, right? The Oh, the team? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think they're like getting in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think the last thing that I want to do, rule of cool, is yeah. she's going to bust off the doors. Like she is going to <laughs> pop the Goldwing doors up and pop them off the Grizz so that they can just hop in as she drives by. Okay. Like, uh, okay, so you're, you're swooping by, do the pickup move, yeah. and then start heading down. Okay, this is good. So, okay, so the, the doors are, are open, or, or are they, like, fully off the vehicle? Like, you're just leaving them behind is oh, what's I'm happening here? Oh, I'm just leaving them behind. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to do some repairs. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's going to be upset back on the on the Valiant, but, <laughs> yeah, so you, you swing by. You all jump into the car, I assume. What does that look like? Well, I assume Arno is first kind of... Like running in with Ren, in there. with Ren. I, I chucked him in, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think Leela and Nasir are, are following behind, and I, I think... Well, what I imagine is that Mara is kind of starting to hit the metaphorical gas, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and so the last person who jumps in, and I think it should be Leela, it, it's kind of like it's already started to move, and she just, like, jumps in. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think what happens is you all get in, then you gun it with this now unregulated Grizz, and yes. the groundhog kind of flies up out of the ground, like just where you were a second before you do this. Yeah. You're going down the road, but I think now you see kind of the wave on the road itself, and it's like just tearing up the road, moving in your direction. And it's slightly, even with the speed increase, it is like slightly gaining on you. Uh-oh. And so the, we have one segment left on this on this fuse. And I want to know what, turning to the other three of you, what, what is someone doing to help the escape at this point? I guess my, my general thing that I was thinking about doing is just like, I mean, we know that it was like attracted to the vibration, but can I intuit or otherwise study the creature to figure out a way to distract it but I could also just try throwing another grenade and distracting it I don't know I mean if you if you want to study it I think I don't think this is going to give you the it's not going to mark that last segment but it, okay. it might give you an idea so if you want to go ahead and roll scope it out you can do that okay um all right oh that wow. is very low that is a one okay Man, you are getting so much experience. I level up. Oof. Hold All on. Right. I might be able to add an interesting move. Let's see. Yeah, so go ahead and, go ahead and uh, if you leveled up, go ahead and tell us what advance you're going to take. And I'm going to say what happens. Um, okay. Yeah, I was going to take disciplined, which um, just means that when I get wounded, I will have, um, like, it'll be less bad. Okay. All right. So go ahead and mark that. So here's what I think happens. So you, what, well, let me ask you this, Leela. What are you doing to kind of study this creature? So I think I'm trying to use my intuition to understand kind of like, why is it following us? Are there other things that could like get its attention? Um, just kind of get an insight into its like 
thought process and and like how it's moving and kind of studying just like the way that it's like moving basically and are you like what are you doing to get a good are you like leaning out of the car or looking back like how are you how are you getting a look at this thing yeah i think i'm leaning out of the car now that we're safely in and i was kind of the last one i'm on the edge so i think i'm leaning out just trying to follow its movements um and, and see kind of how quickly it's moving is it turning kind of you know is it zigzagging that sort of thing okay so what i think happens then is you are leaning out and the waves stop for a second and then the entire back of the grizz lurches up as the creature comes out of the ground maybe five feet behind you Leela, you are knocked like halfway out the car and you are kind of like holding on to the edge of the door and kind of like dangling out the vehicle at this point oh no this is river rafting all over again yeah all right what what is what are, what's everyone else doing here I'm going to try to pull her back into the car or just okay. stabilize her. So I think go ahead and roll act quick, Mike. Eight. No, not bad. All right. So yeah, so go ahead and uh, pick one from the list. All right. Um. Oh dear. What am I going to do here? I will say that I'm pushed to my limits uh, with the effort and suffer one stress. Okay. So go ahead and mark one stress. But I think you grab Leela and pull her back into the car. Mo, are you doing anything to help the escape? Or what's this you're doing? I mean, at this point, we're driving away and ever. But it's like, like gaining our nose. Yeah. So it seems like either some big distraction or something to get it to, to sort of call off the attack here. Right. But just to clarify, we're all in the Grizz right now and the doors are all gone. Yeah. Correct. Or at least on one side. I don't know uh, how many doors. Did you pop off all the doors, Lauren, or just on one side here? Oh, is it like it Jeep was, mode now? It, it, it was, was absolutely Jeep mode. Yeah, you know, you yeah, know yeah, it yeah. was. Okay. So I have a, okay, hold on. I have a thought now. It's the future, right? And we already established that all of the seats in the Grizz can move and rotate. Yes. And there are... 11 seats in the Grizz. A few, yeah. And five of us. Can oh, I start Charlie is going to be so mad. <laughs> Can I start <laughs> removing and ejecting Yeet Grizz seats? the seat. Yeet okay. the seat. Yeet the seat. Yeet the All seat. Right. I, I also, I want to I note, um, maybe not this set of circumstances, but my background is in engineering in the field. <laughs> So like, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. I feel like I could figure it out. I, I I'm gonna I'm not gonna give you advantage, but I will <laughs> let you do this. That's all I was asking. That's all I was I asking. I have a PhD um, in Oh, excuse me. Think, oh my god. All right. I think it's act quick, my guy. All right. Oh, do you have disadvantage? Oh, you I do. do. Oh no. All but right. I have a plus two to act quick. Let's see how it goes. That is an oh, eight. Eight, not bad. Okay. All right. So, okay. So let me ask this first. So uh, you have to choose one from the list. You either off bounce or rush and have disadvantage again going forward. Um, you leave something behind. I'll tell you what. Or you push your limits and you're going to suffer stress. Leave something behind. It's the seat. I, <laughs> I, I get to pick. You're definitely okay. leaving the seats behind. But so it might be something I, else also. I have a question. Can I make a suggestion of how I leave it behind? Can I have... Of course. I, 
Okay. And I, I feel like I feel I like think, we know how, but yeah, go ahead and tell me. But yeah, so I'll let you say I, it. I think I think straight up there is a certain character's sniper rifle on one of the seats. And I straight up remove the seat and then kick it out of the car without checking. Assault rifle, excuse me. It could be my assault, my gun, but I think oh. it could also be a different character's gun depending on how you feel the narrative impact of that. Oh, is. yeah. Okay. I think I don't get to decide. I think the dice get to decide. Um, and so I, I want you to roll a d4 for me also. Wait, why can't it be Ren's gun? It's not Ren's gun. Ren has his gun. You fuck. Oh, no. Two. Okay. Did you assign Did you assign the numbers first or no? Yes, I did. Okay. okay. So I'm going to describe what I do, and then you can tell us whose gun it is, right? So I grab a wrench. And I just start going into the, the not machinery, but like the mechanism that like moves yeah. and rotates these seats. And I just start disassembling it as quickly as I can. And as soon as I'm clear that there is enough, like not enough holding this that I could remove it, I like lean back and I just kangaroo kick it out of the grizz. Nice. Yeah. Gun okay. still sitting on the seat. So... Here's what I'm going to describe, and it is Arno's stuff that happened. But, here, but, but I, I think this works out narratively, too. So, okay, so Arno, go ahead and mark a gear slot off, and yeah. I think it's going to be your assault rifle. So go ahead and, and, and mark that off, too. Mm-hmm. But I think it was, like, the way I want to describe this is it was attached to, like, a rucksack, like, your whole bag, okay? <gasps> and this went out of the car, all right? With the seats, and we see that, like, flipping on the ground. And in the distance, you see the wave kind of moving very fast toward this, and it jumps up. But I think you hear a kind of crack as something explosive in there went (laughs) off in this thing's mouth. And you hear a deafening screech through the air. It, It shakes the entire Grizz. But then you see this thing plunge back into the ground. You see the wave much more slowly kind of moving off into the distance, kind of to the right of the street. I have good news and bad news. Bad news first. Lieutenant Hines is going to be very upset. I said bad news first. (laughs) (laughs) Now is no time for jokes this year. I may have not noticed that one of the packs was on the seat I just ejected, and based entirely on the fact that it exploded, I am going to venture to guess that the rucksack belonged to Lieutenant Hines. Apologies, Lieutenant. The good news is I don't believe we're being chased anymore. I kind of just feel like there's silence. Yeah. <laughs> there's just kind of like the wind whipping through the now, like yeah, yeah. completely open grizz. <sighs> so I think Ren is in the back, like holding his ankle, and it looks like that's fucked up now too. This man's having a rough time of it, but he says, "Before the groundhog came, I saw tracks leading to the north. I'm guessing back toward the mine of the woods, but." With some luck, I'll be able to pick back up the trail. Um, I think Leela's still kind of like catching her breath from this latest adventure. But I think she's just going to say, well, 
I guess, lead the way. I I just want to say that canonically, the last thing that we had playing in the car was Nickelback. So I think (laughs) through through the silence of the group goes, look at this photo. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I do like the idea that the whole time we were in that sequence and before it switched to photograph, Animal by Nickelback was yeah, playing. that was fine. It's got the right speed. I think you all are maybe have more knowledge of Nickelback songs than I do because I genuinely don't out. know. Yeah, I, I just knew the photograph one. Photograph, rock star, right? Classic. Mm-hmm. And then Animals, oh, yeah, I think th- that's, you, you got it. There it is, the triumvirate. I can pr- I can proudly say that I know more Nickelback songs than that, but yeah. that's same. I mean, if you know those and how you remind me, oh then yeah, you probably know. Like that, all that was of the big that, that was the end of my list. Unfortunately, is, <laughs> so if yeah. you ask me for a fifth one, I'm done. Is pride truly the emotion you're feeling right there? Here's the thing: I like Nickelback. I'm not ashamed. Okay, that's fair. Do I th- does I do I think Nickelback has like a particularly complex uh, musical catalog? No, no. But divorced dad rock rocks, so it's fine. Next scene, please. So, okay, so I think we see the Grizzly driving down the road and occasionally stopped for Ren to kind of check out the trail. And we see him, like, crouched over something on the ground and then pointing off into the distance. But just description only, do we get any shots of you four during this sequence? Like, just, like, what are you looking like during this part of the trip? I think I start laughing as soon as we're, like, safe. Mm. And I am like laying down on the floor in the center, like in one of the rows uh, or center pieces of the Grizz with my feet almost a little sticking out of the Grizz door. <laughs> Just sort of like, and I have like a shit eating grin on my face. Like this was fun uh, and insane. I think Mara is either literally or metaphorically trying to put out the fires that she created by uh, <laughs> punching into turbo overdrive go blast time. Uh, and also <laughs> popping the the doors off of the Grizz. So she's trying to make sure yeah. that she hasn't done any truly horrendous internal or external damage that would keep make us stranded. At some point when my heart goes on, will go on, plays on the playlist, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll think about that rucksack and how much I love that rucksack. <laughs> yeah. Aw. Tragic. I think Leela's going to do two things. First, I think she's going to snap a picture of the current condition of the Grizz and uh, email, text, Slack, Teams message it to Charlie on uh, the Valiant and just say, whoops, and that'll be the message. Yeah. So I think like your reception is maybe spotty mm-hmm. where you are, but I think what you do see is the ellipses of about to type Typing. and then that just keeps going and then going away and then coming again and then going away and you never get a message in response to this. Okay. I think she's going to send one follow-up message, which is it's Mara's fault. And then... <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Um... 
Amazing. No good deed. And then okay. I think, the, well, I was going to say the other thing that Leela was going to do was also once she sent those those messages is going to turn to Ren and uh, maybe help him uh, with his ankle and maybe wrapping something yeah, yeah. around it. to. Okay. So I, I, after a few hours, I think it starts to get dark and we see the sun setting and Ren sort of turns to you more if you're driving and says, we should stop and camp here for the night don't want to be driving after dark at least if you don't want to find another groundhog yeah i think she's gonna pretty abruptly kind of <laughs> pop that into pee yeah, yeah. okay so what, what i want to know now is kind of if you're stopping here and like setting up camp for the night what does that look like Ooh. well arno what does that look like can you describe the surrounding flora, please? Yeah. Maybe I'll, actually, no, I'm going to turn it back to you, Mike. What does the flora look like here? We've already established that there's these trees that have the kind of like flat layers of leaves that are, are blue um, mm-hmm. and, and everything has kind of blue tint. But beyond that, what do we think it looks like here? It's definitely like o- relatively open. It's not, you're not in like the, in like woods or, or kind of dense yeah, foliage. I here. guess what I'm trying to get at is like, are these uh, like long fronds on the tree or like long leaves on the trees or are they just like, are they small little leaves? Like I'm trying to figure out how yeah. to build cover. And ideally what I'd like to do is like find something like that resembles a palm tree, I guess, and get those nice big wide or like the long, thin flat leaves to try to like one patch up, patch up, I say, but like, you know, cover uh, one side of the grizz and the other side is to create a canopy of sorts. Right. So that it kind of looks like a resembles like a camper with a, with an open door. Are you trying to like um, camouflage the Grizz? Is that the idea with this? Or what's what's the objective here? No, I think uh I think one of the things I want to do is just get like stop the wind from being able to like blow through the night. There's plenty of room in the Grizz on one side, and on the other side, just like have that cover such that like if it rains, we have like a little more space out there uh to start like a small fire or something uh, of that nature. Um okay. but I, I don't think camouflage is what I'm going for. For what it's worth, I think that once Mara has stopped the Grizz. I'm going to get out and walk about, I don't know, 30 or 50 feet away, like very much still shouting distance, but and not like too terrible shouting distance, just like enough distance that like it's not right next to it and try to find sort of like a flat spot. And when you describe it as like a semi hilly grassland in my yeah. head, I saw and I know with like a bluish tint in my head and maybe this isn't correct. I saw like sparse almost like thistle plants, like small sparse plants that stick out of the ground, but are like largely look dry and are very sort of thorny. And so I, I think I pull a, like just like a, a knife out, like a camping knife, knife, a utility mm-hmm. knife. Thank you. From like my, one of my pants pockets. And I try to find like dead or dying brush and I like just start to like cut it and collect it. Okay. And I think I pop open the trunk of the Grizz. And I think that we probably have like a, it's the future, right? So we probably have like a container that uh, like a thing, like a small silver cylinder, like two and a half feet by two and a half feet and almost flat. So you can like put it on the ground and like do a campfire in it without causing like distress or damage to the surrounding wilderness. Yeah. And I think this is probably common tech in the verge frontier is like ways to 
generate fire or heat or survival that are as like non disruptive to the local flora and fauna as possible. And I don't think I'm like familiar with the plants. Does that make sense? Like I think I'm like check if I can, I'm checking my slate whenever I get signal and I assume signal sucks. Like you said, but I'm looking for things that like look mostly dead. Uh, And I'm not like with the prickly stuff. I'm like not touching it directly just in case, you know, it could cause problems if it pricks me. Yeah, uh, sure. And handling it pretty carefully. But I would say, like, I'm doing it in a way that it looks like this isn't my first rodeo. Gotcha. So, yeah, so I think, Arno, so you're, I'll say that there are those kind of palm frond plants in addition to the, the trees I was describing. I think you, maybe they're like mm-hmm. lower to the ground and you get some of those and are using that to, to kind of build shelter around the grizz. And this year you're mm-hmm. setting this up. Um, what about Mara and Leela? I think Mara has, uh, small sleeping bag um and maybe one of those um a space blanket too and she's just kind of observing nasir kind of prepping the campsite i guess it could be called and so she's waiting to see um at first she was just going to set up anywhere but now she's kind of curiously watching him and seeing what he's he's producing i think if i can i want to get the fire going also yeah yeah I think you you are. You do that. I think Leela is going to tackle the food issue and start rooting around. I assume there's some sort of like um, emergency bag cash type of thing in the Grizz. And so. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking like MRE slash like canned food type of stuff that can maybe be like reconstituted with a little bit of water or something like that. And so I think she's going to start digging through and maybe calling out, you know, different cuisine options that we have. Oh, yeah. Um, She's going to be like, spaghetti and meatballs, anyone? A, I'm trying to think of like what would futuristic food be. Um, Does anyone have any ideas? I'm thinking like a, like a chromish package. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Like similar, like the way they do like dried camping mm-hmm. food when you open it uh you just hear like a rapid expansion like a, like a, it sucks in air like it was almost like oh, it's like vacuum sealed. sealed yeah yes and like it's like a rapid air expansion and like the bag actually like physically expands and when you reach in there's like genesynth fruit crop like protein fruit crop uh and like it doesn't have to be blapple it could be like genesynth protein fruit crop of your choice <laughs> so like so i think there's some like more snacky stuff like that and then but i true, do yeah. think i mean i'm just thinking back to i mean this maybe this is like a florida thing but i assume we've all kind of had mres when we like when there were hurricanes oh, yeah. mm-hmm. i was waiting for the tang yeah, yeah um but i was kind of imagining kind of like mre style where i just obviously we're vegetarians so we didn't eat a lot of them but i know there were just like Oh, this is a normal dinner, but it's it's kind of gross because it's an MRE. Uh, but I, I think like that's the vibe. But <laughs> yeah. I think she's kind of reading off the labels and calling them out and being like, "There's some bags of protein fruit," with kind of like a questioning tone in her voice, and she's going to pull <laughs> that out, and then she's going to say, "And then we've got some protein stroganoff, some." mac and cheese and i think she's just going to start kind of reading off the rest of the labels and Mm -hmm. checking things out into near the fire as as she as she pokes through so i I think you all are kind of eating this uh 
this space camping food and hanging out by the fire. At some point during this, Ren turns to you all and says, I've never seen a ground talk go for a truck in broad daylight before, never that far south either. The fauna on this planet seem to be highly agitated. Any ideas on why that might be? He just kind of shakes his head and says, we were never supposed to be here. Sometimes that doesn't work out for us. Sometimes it doesn't work out for them. And for Onia, right now, it looks like both. I'll nod my head, uh, just sort of like slowly as he says that. Anything else we should be on the lookout for out here? Out here, Lieutenant, it's the things you don't know about that you need to be most worried about. In terms of what we've encountered so far, I'd say the monster is at the top of our list. After today, I'm hoping you understand how dangerous these creatures can be. This monster we're chasing has already killed over a dozen people. I already made a mistake by hesitating, by wanting to study it, and it cost me. If you have a shot on this thing, you should take it. Not sure that I'll nod, but I'll just turn my head away, look back at whatever small fire we've built, and sort of let my eyes gloss over and dissociate. Mm-hmm. I think I will take out like what is essentially like a, a grill top, uh, and it just sort of like like a little leg pops out and sticks into the sil- the metal thing on the bottom, and just sort of holds itself above the fire. Mm-hmm. And I'll pour a bag of newly expanded. Um, blapple, <laughs> just right <laughs> onto the grill, the grill top. Yeah. Uh, and just grill some bra- blapple after eyeing an MRE. Yeah. And deciding against it. <laughs> okay, so I think as the night goes on, you all are finished up your, your various meals, and I think Ren kind of props himself up next to the grizzly and is maintaining his, his rifle and kind of preparing to go to sleep. But I want to know, kind of as the for the rest of the evening, as you're at this campsite, feels like a shame to let down this campfire scene. But what what are the rest of you doing here? I'm um, I think I'm I'm waiting for the campfire to start dying down before I start to look for or get up to look for um more things to burn just to keep the fire going. I think I'd like to have enough to go through the evening. We'll probably end up taking watches, and so um, making sure that nobody has to like leave the campfire area. To finish their watch is probably like really important to me. Okay. And, um, you know, I think I could use a second pair of hands cause that's going to be a lot. I don't want to take multiple trips. And so I think I'll just announce to the group. I'm going to go look for some, uh, some more firewood to keep us going through the rest of the night. But I think I could use an extra pair of hands. Just can anyone help out? I think, I think Mara will volunteer. Okay. And uh, and Leland, are you staying by the fire, or what are you two doing? I think so. I think I'm I'm laying out by the fire. Yeah. Okay. All right. So maybe I'll do Arno and and Mara first. So Arno, you, you kind of lead Mara and are heading away from the fire, and eventually come to like a small. Maybe it's like three trees there, but there's some branches on the ground, and uh, you can start you can start gathering those if you want. 
but what's the the kind of conversation or what does the scene look like here i i actually think that you know you know they're they're walking and they get to the tree and maybe arno kind of wordlessly just starts picking up firewood but i actually think mara like he might like look up and realize that he's been kind of collecting his bundle while mara hasn't really been doing anything Hmm. and she's just kind of been staring up at like the night sky and looking at the stars yeah i think arno is going to follow her gaze but isn't taking in the night view so much as looking to see if there's like a really big beast that she's like distracted by that's coming our way and she's just stunned into silence or something else and if upon I mean, first of all, John, is there anything that's coming our way that I didn't <laughs> yeah, see? I, I, yeah, I think I, I think we've had our, our narrative fill of of uh, of beasties for the day. No, I think you look up in the sky. Maybe I think in the in the very distant sky, maybe you see like one of those kind of the shimmer of one of those sky jellyfish that we described floating, but it's far in the distance. Okay, um, I'll stop scouting the sky (laughs) and instead turn to Mara and ask um got something on your mind? No. No. Um I guess I I guess this is the the first time I've really looked up and she's just looking at a completely new set of stars or as they appear in the night sky. And I think she's going to say, she's going to like kind of furrow her brow and say, it, it it's a little disorienting. Um, but then she's going to kind of like clear her throat and then, you know, realize that she came out here for a purpose and, and start kind of picking up uh, sticks and twigs and logs, branches, whatever she can find. I think Arno is going to let the quiet fill um, the space between us for a little while. And I don't think Arno's ever really appreciated the view of the stars um, while out in the verge. I don't think he's ever had the luxury to just look. And I think he tries to he tries to take in the view and has a really hard time seeing anything other than various constellations that he would have memorized uh, in his briefing books during the war and what those mean strategically. And it doesn't bring him any calm looking up. I think it's just a view and information and something that he can do with it. And maybe he is aware and uses this moment of self-reflection to realize that like, um, even though two people can look at the same thing, they get something different out of it. I don't know if there's like a sadness there or something, but I think for him, this just sort of harkens back to um, growing up uh, and being on the sea and then always being told stories of, you know, the old time sailors navigating using the stars more so than anything else. And maybe that's the most uh, emotional that he can get over this, right? Is the memory of that. And I think he'll look over to Mara and say, Dr. Belova, I've had a lot of time to think about what you asked me. Would you like to be more specific? 
on the Valiant, you asked me if I would trust the Admiral with the fate of the galaxy, not just with my own life. I think that if you had asked her that question, she would have laughed at your face for the sheer preposterous nature of thinking that any decision that she could make alone would have an impact on the galaxy. And then she would tell you whatever it was that was on her mind before thinking very seriously about what you approached her with and ultimately doing the right thing. I don't think she would believe that she could have the fate of the galaxy in her hands, but I do believe that you would believe that and she would treat any decision you brought to her that way with at least that much seriousness. Dr. Belova, I do trust her to make that kind of decision, and I trust her to be discreet. But I warned you on the ship, and I'll warn you again. Once the question gets asked and put out there, when we start to try to collect information, there are people who will notice the breadcrumbs and wonder what left the trail. And so I'll say to you that if I ask, there is a chance that somebody picks up on our trail and tries to follow along with what we're doing. Are you sure you want me to ask? I suppose the choice is we have this information. The Minerva Project has this information. And we rest on our own understanding while someone in the universe could be manufacturing these beacons for a nefarious purpose. Or we seek outside counsel that could provide us an edge, greater understanding of the situation at hand. Would you agree with that? I would. I suppose... I suppose I'm a little tired of being instructed. I think I would like to take a chance. Only... Only you know the Admiral, of course. She's kind of going to pointedly keep picking up sticks. To me, she is a potential avenue of information. She could tell us something about this design district. Uh, but if it gets nuked um, from orbit, I suppose we'll have our answer about whether she's trustworthy or not. Dr. Belova, there's just one thing. I have not been forthcoming with you or the other members of the Minerva Project about what I'm doing here. And in the interest of repaying the trust you're showing in me by letting me ask the Admiral to help us investigate, I need... I would like to extend that same trust to you 
and ask for your help. I think she's definitely going to kind of just stop and look. And it was dark and she and Arno probably can't see her face, but she's definitely a little uh, bemused by this. Go on. The mission given to me was to investigate Morris Shaw. Oh, shit. I'm here on orders from FSOC to investigate Morris Shaw as a potential traitor of the Republic. We have video evidence of him at a drop site exchanging information with an Aventine official. We don't know what information was exchanged, and I'm investigating. Dr. Belova, I would like for you to help me in my investigation. Well, I never really thought of myself as a secret agent. <clears throat> it's interesting. If you had told me this a day or two into arriving at Ascension, I would have said you're insane. However, Shaw's responses to the outcome of our time on Satis, of the spy ring, I guess what I'm saying is... I'll help you. I guess we'll we'll help each other, won't we? I guess so. I um haven't shared this information with anybody else on the mission or anybody else on the crew of the ship or in the Minerva project. Of course, cuz it's classified. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Belova. Dr. Belova, um <laughs> Yes, I suppose it is. But perhaps more importantly, you and I will never have a conversation about this on the ship. We can't. I don't know who's listening in. And you might remember from my interrogation of Cassandra that there are always ears there. I don't know if Morishaw, knowing that I'm investigating him, will change his behavior in any appreciable way. But I'd like for him to not know for as long as possible. That makes perfect sense. I think we're kind of wrapping up the the conversation, but I I think that as as they're kind of walking back, Mara will say, "Once upon a time, I didn't think that one person had the possibility to change the universe, but now I." I'm not so sure. Hey everyone, it's Mo. Thank you so much for listening to Worlds Away. This game has been a blast to play and it has been wonderful to get to share the story with you. If you're enjoying Worlds Away so far, you can help us out by spreading the word to friends and family. Uh, And if they are starting to get annoyed with the fact that you keep talking about us, that's okay. That means you're doing it right. Uh, You can also support us by giving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform where you listen to podcasts. Uh, And if you want to give us a shout out on social media, you can find us on most platforms at Worlds Away Pod or online at WorldsAwayPod.com. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the episode. 
So I think that's the scene. And now I want to cut back to the campfire and know what are Leela and Nasir up to. Sort of while Arno and Mara are going to collect firewood. I think I have like my tactical shirt off. And he's hot. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm describing what I look like. I'm not being like, man, I'm so hot. His fucking tits are uh, out, pierced. <laughs> it was like my tactical yeah. shirt was off. I, it Come was on. like, oh no, and then it just and went his downhill. Tactical yeah. nips were out. This Wattpad ass description. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing my fucking tank top. All right, I'm gonna say your fucking We're back tank at the campfire. Top. We're at the campfire. My nips are out. It's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the fish? Where is the jock strap? <laughs> Yeah, I'm wearing a a neon green mesh top and a jock strap. <laughs> you, you also said I'm laying out, which I've never heard that to mean at I'm, nighttime. I'm doing poppers. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm popping my pussy. It's, it's great. It's the strangest evening <laughs> I've ever heard. I, yeah. yeah. In the future, that's very straight. Uh, I'm afraid anyway. of gay future culture. <laughs> it scares me. Fully automated gay, gay future, space communism has arrived. Future gay culture is actually just monogamy and exclusively missionary position. <laughs> um, I do want a name for what it's worth. This is a total aside. In Baldur's Gate 3, when you can have that orgy scene with the drought twins, if you choose to exclusively have vanilla sex, the 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 male drow prostitute will tell you that that's the kinkiest shit he's ever heard he's and he calls you like a sick man like, i thought i thought that was a fan dub are you telling me that is actual real. dialogue it's fully real it's the full actual dialogue yes a hundred percent the people who designed that game are heroes but also they should just have sex. The horniest but, mofos alive. Like, like it was actually written by a bunch of Wattpad 13 year olds. It and it's truly like, was. Yeah. Anyway, apologies. I don't know what this acronym is or phrase, but I'm okay not knowing that. What? PG3? No. Wap- Wattpad? Wattpad. Wattpad's yeah. a website. For Wattpad porn. is a website oh. where people can post fiction, W-A-T-T-P-A-D, and it's... It's like AO3. It's but it's not fan. It's often it's not exclusive to fan fiction. So sometimes it's people any just fiction. It, it, yeah, it's just any fiction, and mm. there's a lot of really bad writing there. I anyway. Um, what are we doing again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. <clears throat> so I'm laying down by the campfire in uh, like the cargo pants and the uh, like a black tank top. Um, like close to the fire, just sort of staring up at the stars. What about Leela? I think Leela is, she started out, you know, just eating by the fire. And by now the discarded things that she was eating out of are just kind of off to the side, um, the pouches and everything. And I think she has kind of started to lean back a little bit and relax a bit more. And I think then she looks over at Nasir while he is kind of staring up. And I think she takes a second before she says anything. I think she's just kind of maybe studying him a little bit. And then I think she says, just kind of deadpan. So why do you always throw yourself into the most dangerous situations? 
at that, I'll like turn to my side and sort of cock an eyebrow. I'm not sure I know what you mean, Miss Malik. It's something I've noticed since almost the beginning. Every time there's a chance to do the dangerous thing, you're always willing to do it, even even when it when it's stupid. I think I chuckle at that a little bit. When someone asks something of me, I listen. When someone thinks something is the right course of action, I listen. I can be very useful. Sure, but just because someone's asking something doesn't mean you have to give it. Especially when it puts you in danger. Choosing not to do it is only moving the decision from the person who asked it to me. I don't see why I'm better equipped to make the decision than they are. I think Leela shakes her head in frustration at that and just kind of sits back up um, because I think she was kind of leaning back. So she's going to sit back up and turn to face Nasir genuinely. I'll sit up also, uh, just like cross-legged by the campfire. If you asked me to do something, Miss Malik, I would probably do it. I trust that you have the interests of the mission at heart. I would trust your judgment. Sure. Maybe now that we've worked together for weeks. But even so, you would trust my judgment over your own? If your own instincts were... And then I think she cuts herself off and she just looks straight into Nasir's eyes and says, when's the last time you listened to your own instincts? The day my son died. So I think Lula's going to stay silent for a moment and just let that sit there. And then she's going to say, you'll never get over it. That's obvious, but do you think about living beyond it? You're right when you say I'll never be over it. I have mourned my son every day. I will probably mourn him every day for the rest of my life. What I do now is living my life. I have a chance to make things better. To make sure no one else does what I did. Goes through what I went through. That's all I'm aiming to do, Miss Malik. And when I see people who largely understand that, I trust them. I need you to know that I say this both as a friend. I think she kind of has a little bit of a questioning tone (laughs) in her voice at that. Uh, But she says, and as a colleague and as someone who 
wants to see this mission succeed. You do more good for us, alive and safe, than you do putting yourself at risk every single time. I appreciate that, Miss Malik. I trust that you will keep me safe. I'd like to trust that you will keep you safe. But I'll take what I can get. So I think that is the end of the scene, but I was hoping that we could use that as a lean on me. For oh, okay. So, okay, I don't, yeah, we've never used this part of lean on me, but you can kind of use that move in two ways. One is you can... When you're in kind of a tense situation, you can use it to give advantage. But you can also, when you're in a a more sort of low-key or intimate moment, you can use the move to relieve one's stress. So is that what you're trying to do here, Yes, exactly. Okay. So Lean on Me says, when you support a crew member's efforts in an action before they roll or offer them comfort in an intimate moment, roll plus stalwart. So go ahead and give us a roll, Leela. Okay. That is a nine. Woo. A nine. All right. So on a seven to nine, um, you can choose one from the list. And so it's your efforts help them. And they have advantage going forward. Your support brings them relief and they can clear one stress. And then the third option is you aren't pushed to your limits or exposed to danger or complication for your efforts. I think we want to clear that stress. Okay. So what I think is going to happen because and this is kind of the consequence of the mixed success. Mm-hmm. But I think that well let me ask this actually. So Nasir, how do how do you sleep that night? I think uh, like where or like how? How? I sleep very well. I I think I I sleep through the night. Um I fall asleep sort of sleeping by the fire staring up at the stars and I I pass out and I'm up at dawn. Yeah. So Leela, I I think that you don't sleep well. And I think that kind of one of the consequences of the mixed success is actually you're going to take that stress that Nasir lost. So you can go ahead and add one stress and Nasir, you can take one off. Wow. This is so rude. (laughs) Kind of like losing your gear pack on a roll somebody else made. (laughs) We have a salty, salty person over there. Oh, man. (laughs) So... I want to get back to you, Nasir, though, because so you mentioned you slept through the night and then you wake up at dawn. And so I think when you open your eyes, maybe the fire has kind of died down and there's just embers left in the in this kind of mobile fireplace that we brought. But the sky is starting to lighten now. It's almost like a green gray along the horizon and the sun's not not quite risen yet. But what I want to do is return to the flashback that we did last episode where we saw you and Mateo back on Aventine. And so just like how it is on Feronia, I think this is just before sunrise on Aventine. And the two of you are on the four-wheeler that you took to the worksite this year and are driving both toward and through a series of foothills far away from humanity. And so I want to turn it over to you to describe what this drive looks like and what you're seeing there. So 
we're driving along the side of not quite a cliff because it's more like a set of like tiered vistas uh-huh. that is we're like in the the wilderness part now and so we're sort of like passing through like red rocky crags but there are like large sort of as i mentioned like bluish purple trees with like thick bark along the side and so i think if you're like off the cliff looking at us right we're like zooming up the cliff and you like catch glimpses of us between the trees uh as it's this like tiered cliffside uh that we're slowly like working our way up and so what does it look like when you reach your destination or sort of where do you stop in this four-wheeler so i think we get off the four-wheeler at what appears to be like a flat almost like peak area or like when you look around there's no longer like rising cliff on any side from where we are uh, except in the distance uh what we are sort of surrounded by when we get off is is this sort of like trees that are a little bit dense here but that you can see that as you get further from not really the road like the dirt path that we drove up they get more and more sparse uh and you can sort of see sky through them on the other end uh and i think we start walking through the tree line like towards that sky, like towards where they get sparser and, and, and more uh, empty. Yeah. And so let me ask this, is Nasir like saying anything to Mateo or what, what's happening as, as you reach the top of this hill? This is the furthest I've ever been away from. I know that it's water district management district seven. Yeah. <laughs> In my head just now, the word that popped into my head was Oasis. Uh, and I don't know if I'm allowed to name it right here on the fly, but <laughs> that's up to you. Yeah, like John. Is like, that what you're calling like the town that you're in or, yeah, yeah, or whatever? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think, I think name it on the fly, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is the furthest I have ever been like out into the Aventine wilderness this is the furthest I've ever been from Oasis or water management district number seven. And so I am both in awe of like, the plants in awe of the hillsides, which have like, I've never seen get this high in awe of the like faint bluish green Aurora that is sometimes I see in the sky and like the, the little chittering animals that like I'm unfamiliar with. So like I'm unlike normal where there's a shit eating grin on my face. This feels like I'm being invited into something. And so I am completely silent. I'm like reverent almost because like there's someone someone aventine who is inviting me in and i think that that's not lost on me so i think as you reach the top of this hill i think he just turns to you and says it's almost time uh not to be the ignorant terran but um time for what so i think he doesn't even respond to that I think at this point, what we see is the bottom of the sky is layers of orange and pink, and those are kind of resting beneath the slowly lightening blue. Maybe it's streaked with an occasional cloud that you can see now. And then at first one, and then a second orb of yellow light starts to climb above the horizon. And you see in front of you, illuminated by the sunlight, a valley that is filled with flowers. And these are the same flowers that 
you had in your terrarium back on the ship, Nasir. And so what I want to ask you is to describe what it looks like as these flowers, which are called sinsa, what does it look like when they change color? So as you look out in the valley filled with flowers, they are a bright orange-yellow color that like almost seems to glow on their own, even more so when they catch the sunlight. And if you look really closely at the opening of one of the, the center of these flowers where you open them up, the center is sort of turning a darker, almost mulberry color. And what starts in front of us is that that small, darkened space starts to rapidly expand through the flower. And so starting with the flowers right at the hill in front of us, sort of at our feet, they start to change from yellow and orange into this reddish magenta mulberry color until they land at a deep purple. And a wave of color goes out through the valley as it changes from yellow to this changing mid-mulberry color and then eventually landing at a dark purple color uh, all throughout the valley. And so you just sort of see like waves of moving color uh, come to life all at once. And I think in the span of maybe a minute, it's all over. And the valley that was full of orange glowing flowers is now almost midnight purple. So I think as this happens... Mateo says, Earlier you said we were under the same stars here. Can they really be that similar? I am standing at the cliff's edge, almost afraid to breathe, with my eyes watering. That was amazing. I I turned to him. I don't know that they're all the same. But they can't all be different, can they? So, I think we pick back up with you all back in the Grizzly. And after another few hours of driving, we see the Grizzly slow and stop at a intersection in the road. So the road itself continues straight ahead and we can see it curving to the left, far in the distance. To the right of you, which is sort of more of the open grasslands that we've seen before, we see an access road that's labeled with a sign that says Northwest Jarvis Mine. And that is above a logo that says Bureau of Natural Resources. And in the distance, I think you can see some short buildings and other structures. But on the left side of the road, there is a narrower path and it looks recently cleared from the surrounding trees. And there is a sign that says Northwest Mine Western Expansion and then the same logo. About 100 feet down that path, though, you see a series of trees that looks like they were pried out of the ground, almost tipped over so that the roots pulled up the earth around them. And these trees are completely blocking the roadway. 
And I think you see Ren out of the car crouch down again. And he turns back to you and says, it looks like it cut into the woods here. Should we follow on foot? I don't think we'll have a choice. So I think Leela's going to start just unloading rucksacks and supplies and stuff and getting outfitted. Yeah. So I think the shot is we see the five of you with your gear walking away from the grizzly and down that path toward the trees. And I think the camera is kind of panning further and further back. But as it does this, we eventually see far back from you a figure standing on a hill overlooking the edge of the forest. And dangling from her right hand, we see an object that we last saw back in the bar in Jarvis Prospect. Oh, boy. And that Uh is Mara's visor. No. And that's where we're going to end for today. (laughs) Ruh-roh.